Here's a one-minute preview of the second part of the season finale of the Good Grief, Good God Show. I say my family's gone through the loss of a child. I do not compare what I feel to what you feel, but I do feel it. And um, while we are chocolate mess, we might as well talk about that. I think I'll be all right. But the day that it, the the day that it happened, you know, we were we were together. We were sitting in at Jeremy Spillman's house. I've relived that day in my mind uh, a, a lot. Because um, when it all happened, you got the call. We're in the middle of a writing session, and you came back in, and you said, "I got to go. I got a call that Sage isn't breathing." And I said, uh, "Let me drive you." And we've done everything together for years. But you said, I got to do this by myself. And I knew what you meant. And I was like, all right, he's got to go do this. And then uh, he called me back and said, I said, what's going on? And you just said you weren't crying. You just said he didn't make it. The Good Grief, Good God Show is hosted by Grammy nominee and Emmy award-winning hit songwriter of 15 top 10 songs, including nine number ones, Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. For episode 19, Brad welcomes his brother, Brett Warren. If you missed part one, check the description for audio and YouTube links, including the Warren Brothers bio and a message from Brad about Brad. Also included in the description is a link to purchase Lisa Bolt's book she recently released, 17 Again, A Story of Life After Life. Lisa's our guest booker and segment producer. It's an excellent read. I'm producer Matt Pivato as we're wrapping up season one of a few housekeeping notes. Although we won't be releasing any new episodes until early 2024, this is where our work begins. We'll be taping episodes for season two throughout the winter. And most importantly, we will be staying extremely active across all social media platforms and we'll be updating the website as well. I've provided in the description clickable links to all social media platforms and the website. While you're on the website, subscribe to the newsletter for the most up-to-date news and to be the first to know about season two's premiere. On a personal note, not only will I be gearing up for season two, but my wife and I, including our teenage boys, will be welcoming a baby girl on October 3rd, or possibly as early as tomorrow due to her being nearly 10 pounds. We'll literally find out at four o'clock today, but God willing, hopefully I still have a few weeks of rest ahead of me. Yes, I'm nearly 50, but as Brad says, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Lastly, I'm forever grateful for the honor Michelle and Brad have given me to carry on the legacy of their son Sage. It's without a doubt one of the biggest honors of my life. So as we wrap up this season with gratitude in our hearts for your unwavering support, get ready to embark on a roller coaster of emotions over the next hour, but emotions wrapped in God's love. Thank you for being a part of our incredible journey. So as I've said a couple dozen times now over the past year, on behalf of Brad, Michelle, and Lisa, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you too will find the good in grief. The Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you in loving memory of Sage Michael Warren. Ready? Yeah. Ready, ready? Pete, ditto. Tell Brett to stop tapping the table. Yes, no table tapping, please. For if you just tell me directly. <laughs> yep, leave it to y'all. Be a bunch of smart asses. Hey! Like he's got all of these cameras and all these wires everywhere around here. Doesn't have a phone charger. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I have a little bit of Pete. I have a little understanding about that. Yeah. It's hiding behind this black curtain like I am somewhere. So you can't see him back there. No, literally, that curtain's up yoga. there because he's back there just fizzling. Doing yoga. Like, Man, you gotta you gotta you gotta cover the circus up. I can't I can't think. I can't think. Uh, read read me your other quote. Uh, Is it not time for it yet? No, no. I mean, there's no. I'm not waiting. It was just like, I for, forget where I was hearing. It was probably the church service or something. But they were referring to full life. Mm -hmm. You're feeling like peace, like you said, like the way you feel now. The things like being on an airplane, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So full life doesn't mean. Ultimately, living a full life means more than happiness, comfort, or thrills. You have the capacity to experience true joy, yet you are equally capable of grieving deeply while holding on to hope. So the quote is, full life means you can expect great things in the midst of great loss. Guy named Chip Dodd. Don't know who he is. I think he's a politician. That's I'm good. kidding. He's not. Um, so then underneath it, I just wrote, life more abundantly doesn't mean perpetual joy and gladness. It means knowing that 
like full a full life means that even in the worst situation, which you and Michelle have gone through, which is the loss of a child. That's the parent's biggest fear. You know, that feeling, that experience is the worst thing that can happen to someone, at least in my mind. And to be able to go through it and have a full life doesn't mean that it does that that you that it's not grief. That you don't have grief because time heals everything except grief, because grief's yeah. associated with love. So you, you've said before, I pick up a backpack every day full of stones, which is the loss of my son, and it's equally as heavy every day. I just get stronger. Yeah. And so you, and you don't want to, that's not something you want to get over, but you can have a full life and you can see great things come out of that. Yeah. That's, that can only be God. One of your buddies, I don't want to say anybody's names or how you know them, but it's basically agnostic and said, you know, the way you've handled the loss of your son and your relationship with God makes me really interested. I kind of need who's that makes me interested to know that guy. Hmm. So your story is your testimony. It's like, you don't have to, Oh, what's your testimony? You have to tell this big thing where I did all these terrible things. And then I came back. It's just like walking through the most difficult situation where you would typically go angry. I mean, I would hope, that I could handle it, a situation like that, the way you guys have handled it. But it's 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 miraculous, and it can only be a true relationship with God that makes somebody go, I'm going to take the worst thing possible, and I'm going to do good good with it and make something good come out of it. I think that's, yeah. that's the biggest testimony that you got. And whether you say shit on here or not, <laughs> or don't say it or do say it, make someone turn away or not, it, that, those are the things that we think matter. And then this guy over here that you don't even know about that doesn't even believe in God's watching you and your wife and your family walk through a really dark situation and it actually God's pulling you closer to him and you feel closer to God, not further away. That's miraculous. Yeah. I don't know what else to call that. No, People no. could say we create that in religiosity or in church. I don't know if that's where that's created, but that is real. And that is what people really see. My friend Nathan Lee, who you know very well, says uh, you can't, you'll never be able to say that God robbed you of a full plate. And it's funny when you said that abundant life thing. I'm like, I, I think I would have been okay with a less abundant life and and less of it. But it is what it is, and we have gone through. And there there are painful days, you know, the natural order of things. It's just not the natural order of things, mm-hmm. but. Even someone that, so starting back when, when our dad died, like we were, we were on the edge of, of being a problem, uh, having a problem, a substance abuse problem. Um, and then our dad died and it wasn't so much, I wasn't openly pissed at God, but he died at 60 years old. Health nut was, you know, we were the kids jogging around the neighborhood together, you know, our whole lives and, and eating beans for dinner with no meat and whatever. Um, total health nut. And he died at 60 years old. I'm a little mad at God. I've lost the last person. I really give a crap what they think. Right. So, you know, we cared about what dad I cared about what dad thought. Uh, I was a little afraid of him in a good way, but I also wanted him to be approve of, of me. And uh, man, when he went, it was like off to the races the wrong way. And, you know, we when we get down to stage, I was headed in the right direction. So we were headed in the wrong direction when dad died. And it, I believe that when, when tragedy happens, you are catapulted full speed the direction you were already pointed. headed. Yeah. You were, the direction you were pointed, you're going to get a shove like crazy. Mm. Um, I don't know if you felt the same shove when dad died. Yeah, I, you know... I remember not have, I I don't really, I haven't really thought exactly how I was spiritually per se. I've never doubted that there was a God. Mm-mm. I've never doubted that. I mean, I'm just, just the logical side of it. I mean, like people say, is there really, I remember my son asked me when he was three, Cole, is there really a God? You know, I was like, look at the stars, look at the sun. We stuck our heads in with masks in the Bahamas and seen a coral reef out where people don't go. It's like ours. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You mean, you just can't, yeah. and then a shark swims by and a fish, the color yellow, you'll never see again. Like, I've never doubted that there's a intelligent God creator that created us. But when dad died, I I feel like I said the first real, my, my connection with God got stronger, mm-hmm. but more real, but distant. 
Because I remember saying out loud, I hate this. I hate the world. I don't like you. I don't hate you, but I don't like you. And I don't like the way you created the world. I don't like that people have to die. And I don't like that I have to feel like this. And I don't like that I have to see my mom like that. This sucks the way you created this world. I, I don't like it. You got some explaining to do when I get to heaven. Like, I was pissed off. Yeah. I was mad. I was just, I was hurt. I just, I, and I, and looking back, I think God was like, Hey, finally we're talking. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, welcome. Wow. Now we're, now we're actually talking. Yeah. Now you and me are being real instead of saying a Bible verse you've memorized. It sounds good in the moment, but like now you're, now you're questioning. Okay. Yeah. Welcome. You're Come in the on. game. And, uh, and so in, in that moment started that thought in my head that was deeper and then I didn't want to think about it any further and I was pointing the wrong direction so yeah I just like well I'll just start partying harder and I'll medicate further because then I won't have to think about that yeah it's like really getting real I didn't want to have to really get real yet so I just numbed it with alcohol and partying to not have to get real yet and then fast forward years (laughs) it it didn't work out very well (laughs) Ultimately, it worked out well, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I did things that I probably shouldn't be sitting here for. I, you know, a lot of people don't like to say it out loud, but I've driven drunk a lot. I mean, luckily, by the grace of God, I never hurt myself or anybody else. But you know, that's the reality. Just starting there and moving forward with things that I don't know why God's story is bigger than mine. Yeah. I want it to be all about my story. Yeah, but His story is bigger than mine. And when we come into this world, we are all going to sin and we are all going to die. When and how, sort of out of our control, but yeah, I kind of. My friend Jimmy Lee Slos, your friend Jimmy Lee Slos, it's the world's greatest bass player, but he's also one of my favorite people on earth. He lost a son and we talk about it, but he always says God chose us for something special. Mm-hmm. Like he trusts us Im- implicitly to, to hand us this, this ailment so that we can what with it you know mm-hmm. so that we can believe harder i mean he has a couple guys in in uh, well my, my whole my whole dad's groups are just amazing guys but um just man he there's not one sliver of doubt oh are you kidding me of course they're they're watching us right now they, they love this meeting they love you know it's just so much assurity and um i would probably question more if i didn't have particular guys that were so incredibly sure and it makes me more sure and the truth is you you could prove to me there was no god i still wouldn't believe you <laughs> i would think it was smoke and mirrors it seems so moronic to me to not believe in god i i, I love that i'm gonna love my and by the way the agnostic is not my enemy but i'm gonna love my enemy in that situation i'm not chastising someone that doesn't believe yet but it seems moronic to me to not believe in god because if you take that out of the situation and i do believe you catapult the direction you're going when tragedy hits Mm -hmm. boy if i hadn't been headed in the wrong i mean you complimented michelle and i and how we're handling this man the fork is pretty clear what are the choices i have like Mm -hmm. there's no choice of things being like they were before because they won't be they they just there there's I don't even breathe a, a similar breath. So if I can either run down this road full speed with every bit of energy I have and punch it in the nose every morning, or I can drink myself into oblivion, ruin everyone's life on my way to dying myself. I mean, it's, those are two very clear choices. And to be honest with you, um, I understand people that drink themselves. I do, man. I freaking I do. I, I haven't been sober 18 years. And when I see somebody drinking themselves to death on a movie purposely, or I see someone in person that I think is drinking themselves to death and medicating and hiding it and lying about it. I understand it. I get it, man. And there, there's a little bit, a tiny bit of jealousy in yep. my most carnal nature that goes, yeah, man, just check out, just yep. check out. I just, sorry. I didn't mean to hit the table, Matt. Just want to tap out. People ask me, it's the same question, but it's like, do you miss drinking? No, I don't. I don't miss drinking. I don't need to be drunk. I don't miss the hangover. Occasionally, and I have a bunch of barriers between me and the first drink, I miss turning the light switch off. I miss getting the squirrels off the treadmill. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, but that's the yeah. that's the fun part of the choice of no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna pray, talk to another alcoholic, I'm gonna go to a meeting, I'll do something with service, somebody else. And it's simple, but not easy. And there are days I don't do it and should do it. But yeah, there's that, it's an obvious choice. And once you go down it, it's kind of like just one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. But 
it's not, I used to hear the term, you know, not living life on life's terms. Life's terms are rough sometimes. Yeah. They're, they're tough, but you, you made the decision, Hey, this is, this is the direction I'm going to go. You said a second ago that, you know, you believe in the, in the dad's group and, and they couldn't make you not believe you're referring to God or that there's that I'm going to see my son again. Right. Period. Told you not to cry. <laughs> hope deferred makes a heart sick. So we have the hope of glory that we will see that. And that is what keeps you going. And, you know, I don't know what that feels like. It's, it's my nephew. I've gone, I, just to be, you know, up front, I say my family's gone through the loss of a child. I do not compare what I feel to right. what you feel, but yeah. I do feel it. And, um, While we were chocolate mess, we might as well talk about that. I think I'll be all right. But the day that it, the the day that it happened, you know, we were we were together. We were sitting in at Jeremy Spillman's house. Yep. And uh, it's funny. I have this strange connection with Jeremy Spillman. We've never talked about that day, mm. but we talk. You know what I mean? It's like when I like, see him. Strange. Yeah. He knows, and we know. We yeah. know he knows, and he knows we know. Yeah. But we just sort of like there's this triangular, yeah, thing. I've relived that day in my mind uh, a, a lot. Because um, when it all happened, when I was going down, and you got the call, we're in the middle of a writing session. It's me and you and Jeremy. And you came back in and you said, I got to go. I got a call that Sage isn't breathing. And uh, it just, the world changed right there for me. And I said, uh, let me drive you. And we've done everything together for years. But you said, I got to do this by myself. And I knew what you meant. And I was like, all right, he's got to go do this. And then uh, and he called me back and said, I said, what's going on? And you just said you weren't crying. You just said he didn't make it. And... <laughs> and you were like, no, well, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I said, you did. I said, yeah, it took you like did. four I times said, I had to tell you. I said, no, tell me again. I don't believe you. Tell me again. And he said, he didn't make it. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to accept that. You have to tell me something else. And you're like, dude, he didn't make it. And uh, that that day is, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to say a PTSD. I don't know exactly what that means, but I mean, I was traumatic to where still sometimes three years later when the phone rings. Yeah. That's I just, I, my, my gut just tenses up. If you've never been in one of those moments, if you've never had that happen, um, and there's people that fear it, but I mean, like, I actually I think that's the it. clinical definition of PTSD. It's, yeah. It doesn't have to be in, in war. Um, so I, you know, at that particular moment, it was just like, I don't know. I just, I was, I was mourning, but the, the beast in me came out like the real man. Yeah. I was like, all right, I got to do whatever I got to do to help get through this. Like, I mean, I would have, I would have, I would have beat the hell out of McGregor or whoever that <laughs> UFC fighter yeah. is like, yeah, there was something that happened to me. I, I, I went to another place to, you know, walk with you and Michelle and Quinn and Jude through it and to walk with my own kids. I mean, I, when, when our dad died, I was 30. We had never had a grandparent die. Yeah, we had never had a close family member die. Um, a lot of people have, most people we know have. Yeah. Um, we had never had that. So for dad to die was, was traumatic. This was just, uh, it was a whole nother, it was just a whole nother level. And it's, it's it's taken a lot of pride. It's interesting that like most of the time, especially months after it happened, I felt like you were counseling me about it. I'd be like, "How are? Oh my gosh, this, I just can't wrap my head around this. How do we do this?" I mean, the the are, the first uh, the first week, two weeks, whatever. Like literally, uh, what you went into um like 
warrior mode, maintenance mode, whatever it was that like, and you took care of everything, everything from telling the people that live on either sides of us, we're going to be parking in your yard for a few days or to talking to the dad of the kid that was at the house with Sage when I didn't want to. And, right. uh, uh, I mean like every little thing and, and it was amazing. And then I think probably it was, uh, there's like a delayed, I mean, there's a delayed thing with me too. I mean, I, there was a, um, for a moment it would hit us and Michelle and, Quinn and Jude and I just sat on the bed together, just bald, and we just mm -hmm. this really strange thing. And um, weeks and weeks go by, but at some point, you, you know, the, the life goes. And when you stopped having to physically take care of you mm -hmm. picking up people from the airport, I mean, you literally took care of it. Thank you, by the way. I don't, I don't huh. know if I ever thank you for that, but you, that's, you know, you're welcome. Um, it was well, when that when that ended. It was probably a little bit like every you've been dealing with that is a nice distraction in a way to something like this. And it, um, it was, and I had to, you know, good grief, good God. Right. Like I had to, I hadn't really grieved like maybe like, yeah, like I grieved. I was there. Yeah. You know? And so I had, I had to go through all of the feelings of it. Um, You don't, you don't want to see your nephew you know, leaving a, a church in a casket. You don't want to see your 20-year-old son holding one of the poles. <sighs> but I had to go walk into the grief. You can't go around it. You can't go over That's what you said. Dude, you got to go through it. So I just started working through it. And realizing that God's story is bigger than ours. And this isn't a facade I've created in my mind, but if this loss, God didn't intend for it to happen, but he will use it. Yeah. And if he used Sage's death to bring one other person to the kingdom, when we get to heaven, Sage is going to be like, dude, okay, you got 40 more years to me. Whoop-de-doo, yeah. I have 40 more years here. Yeah. I would have gone yeah. 10 years earlier if I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And that's not a make yourself feel better because it doesn't feel better. Yeah. Faith and, and, and grieving does not mean you, you make it okay. It's okay to hurt. Yeah. doesn't mean your faith is weak. You're supposed to mourn and walk into it. But through all that process and going through it a little bit late, you know, a couple of times I felt like I was kind of going through it at a, when everybody else was, had already kind of gone through the grieving process. But there's just so many little moments where I just stop and I just see, like you were talking, like your post about, I will never see a cardinal again. And I've never seen a cardinal in my yard. There's an old one and a young one that is in my backyard and he's always there and they come up to my windows. It looks like dad and sage. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you can tell me whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. He's, there's like, he's like, it's not even gray. It's like brownish. Like dad's here wasn't gray. It was like the, it was the yeah. color that didn't exist and he didn't dye it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so there's that. And, and then I remember the day of Sage's funeral, just driving down my street and there was like no cars on the street. And then dad's old brown and yellow truck comes by. And I was, I was kind of looking for one. I'm like, yeah, you got to explain it for that. This we grew up in the back of a brown and yellow 1977 Ford truck. They put a camper on uh, it, benches. It was the first SUV ever made. And we drove from Tampa to Montana on vacation and that piece of crap. And uh, we would stick our heads through the window to try to get a little air conditioning and then fight about whose head had been through the window long enough. Burning hot, horrendous truck, but great memories. Uh, and you just don't see one of those. Brett had been looking for one forever. And he died the morning of Sage's funeral, he's driving to get coffee in that brown and yellow. There's truck probably only a hundred I mean, of them, literally. It's brown and yellow, 77. Then you went and you had to buy one. So that cost oh, you that. I went, I went and had one made exactly like it, but it's just a... Uh, it's just a reminder that all the things it's interesting that truck represented misery for us yeah we had to wash it we had to wax it we had to sit in the back i mean dude i don't know how many people get to church where you lower the tailgate and you and your sisters <laughs> who have dresses on crawl into the back of a truck we weren't open the windows either. in august and yeah we were 14 like 16. And 16 yeah yeah we were we were not eight and, years old uh, and so it's like it's interesting that the, the hard i always tell my kids you don't remember the remember the vacation where everything went perfect they're like no, I'm like, yeah. You remember the one where we broke down on the side of the road and there was a flat tire and started raining and we were driving to, uh, we flew to go out snow skiing and me and you, Raquel, Michelle, and Sage, Quinn, 
Lily and Cole all oh, piled in like storm? a six-seater yeah. truck and drove through a blizzard. Yeah. I mean, like that, we went snow skiing in Aspen and our boss paid for this massive house and we had instructors and I don't, all we talk about is the drive there because it was miserable and scary. We Honestly, like, we beat that storm by about five minutes. And, and so uh, yeah. it's it, the, the, the times in life um, where it's been the hardest is where, is where we grow. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily always like that, but yeah, Sage was, um, you know, he was special. He was the first Warren boy. Uh, me and him had a cool relationship. He was a lot like me. He was a lot like me. Like you and Matt last night, we're talking live about who was the most, uh, who was the worst behaved child yeah, my mom had. Oh, she wanted to say my name so fast, but she was trying to level the dumplings. <laughs> I, I was the worst. She didn't want to say your name, but she couldn't help it. I was she the has. worst kid. I didn't take anything serious until about a year ago. Um, no, I mean, it was like, I was. <laughs> I mean, you you were like, you were the, and you still are, by the way, you you befriended the deaf kid in your class. He didn't have any friends and you were like, you thought he was cool. It wasn't like you really liked him. And yeah. you've always been that guy. You take the, the. You, we learned that from dad. That's a good thing. But as far as just mischief and you'll, you'll still sit and, and like think of some lavish prank on someone. I'm like, we're not going to do that. You realize that, you know, although I'm the guy that mooned Troy Tomlinson like four years ago <laughs> out of his car. But, but the, the, the mischievous thing was, was definitely uh, there. And Sage had the same thing. He was a pranker. I mean, uh, Cole says, he says, and, and to hear your kids really, gut laugh yeah there's nothing like it. yeah i don't know why i remember hearing dad laugh as a kid and i love to hear dad laugh because he was kind of rough and yeah. tough. but cole's like dad sage used to I, he goes i've thrown i've laughed so hard i've thrown <laughs> up from apparently my oldest son cole and sage and quinn ding dong ditch the same guy <laughs> yeah incessant and yeah over and, over and to the again. point where the guy's like put a sign in the yard and he's like i'm gonna get you guys I swear to god if i catch you guys i'm I'm a grown adult. I'm a football player and I can catch you. And Sage was lightning fast. So he told Cole and Quinn, park it about 50 yards ahead. Get a head start. I'm going to rattle this guy's door here in 30 more minutes. And Cole said he would run up to the door and he wouldn't just tap it. He would just like bang on it like he was taking it down and start <laughs> running. And Cole said, me and Quinn would be laughing so hard we couldn't breathe. And Sage is like, sure, on this guy's behind him. He'd get close to Sage. He'd just speed up a little bit. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> so they just had, you know. Oh, that's, that's terrible. It's so it's, great. It's Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, love those moments. I'm glad we passed that side down to the kids. I mean, yeah, and, they have fun together and and they laughed. And and uh, it's. And your oldest son, Cole, was an amazing friend to Sage in, in ways I won't even go into. But, like, it just it's, he's he's top of the heat for me. But um, that's, you know, that, that being. Um, being there, it's like um, our nieces got little sage tattoos on their arm of sage things. Uh, knowing Cole's relationship, it's funny to be how that thing glues a family even tighter. Um, it's the full plate. I don't want the full plate, but I didn't get to choose. Um, so now, how do you how do you deal with the full plate? And, and like Jimmy Lee said, man, there's trust been placed in into us. Now we can decide what what we're gonna do with that. It's not, um, it's not easier, but it's easy. It's not easy, but it's easier than the alternative. We talk about, you and I have become together. I don't know how to say that. This, I shouldn't use the word. So we've become way less of a wimp in the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, we work out like men now instead of like mm -hmm. guys mm -hmm. at the gym. We can, um, we can be uncomfortable and be okay mm -hmm. with it. Um, Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is the lit literally a superpower. It is, that is the thing. We're not supposed to be, if we go back to the spiritual thing, we're not supposed to be all that comfortable here on this earth. This is not our home. I don't want this to be our home. There's some great places here. It's mm -hmm. awesome. This is not it. Do not believe this is it. This is not it. This is the thing before the thing. You have this to read it. The Great Divorce. I've read it. It's just been oh, 15 years. I'm going to so read it great. again. Yeah. It just ties into the love. Because I love this earth. I want to die 90 years old with my great grandkids standing around my bed singing amazing grace probably not going to happen like maybe i don't know but this world is it's tough but you know god has overcome the world and our family with this terrible thing you would think it would rattle our faith and what it did is it just shook it up yeah. it shook it up to glue it together tighter yeah. and it's not a to go back to that original quote it's not a facade it is it is it can't be fake. 
and sustain situations like this. Why do you think people like these? What do you think? What do you get out of it? You said, oh, I love this lady's story. It's healing. It heals. It's healing to me. But I, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I relate. I don't know. It's, yes, people love stories. Yeah. They, your, your, your story of your life, your story is your testimony. It is the thing that p- glues people together. I love stories. We tell stories for a living. Yeah. And then we tell them again for a living uh, while we play guitar to them. And it's, 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 I'm, you learn so from stories for that. It's, it's just absolutely the moments that you feel like you're doing what you were put on the earth for. But I can tell you that the things that we, I have three boys. Remember, honey, our, our grandfather sat us down. And he said, you boys need both have two boys. Cause Warren, we're the last in this line of Warren. Names. Mm-hmm. By the way, everything's going away. I don't get too married to those things anymore, but right. This little, okay, I got three boys. They're going to have kids. We're going to have more Warrens and Cole and Vaughn are going to have some boys and they're going to be Warrens and we're going to keep our family going. I don't have any plans anymore. I don't have any plans. I have no plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, and it feels great. Like I, I, I mean, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm still addicted. My last addiction is to comfort. You know what I mean? I'm still addicted to comfort. Um, and, and trying to get, have my way in, in any given day. But the truth is, I don't have any plans. And so the fact that I don't have any plans means that I can give the plan to the planner because the, we, oh, I'm going to have lots of kids. We all talk, you know, it's funny because we talk about God's will and my nephew, Tyler, who's one of my favorite people in the world. I said, is everybody in this family going to have like eight kids? And he's like, well, it's supposed to be fruitful and multiply. I'm like, that's one of those verses we jumped on Times two is multiplying. It doesn't say that you have to have 15 <laughs> kids. Not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, but we jump anything that we've decided that's going to be true for us without any derivation is... is uh, Tying what, a scripture to our plan. Inner vows. We have created inner vows, and anything we take for sure we're going to do, we've taken it away from God. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a TV growing up. When I got my first house, there was TV. Well, when I got my first house, it wasn't in Antioch. There was TVs every five feet because we're going to have a lot of TVs. I decided we're going to have TVs. This preacher that was talking on it and our, our cousin Mark sent me the, uh, a link to this sermon on the inner vows. And the guy was talking about, he'd been to someone's house and they weren't allowed to have sodas as they were growing up. And, um, so this guy had like literally two liter, like 42 liter bottles of soda in their cupboard because he was going to have soda for everyone. Every, so everything that we take away from God is something we can look at it kind of in reverse. Anything that I've taken charge of for sure, I've taken that away. And yeah, I, I, I want to have grandkids and all that stuff. I don't have any plans anymore. I don't, it's none of my business. It's none of my business what people think about me. It's none of my business what my kids do for a living or, or, or how many children they have and me telling them to get married or, or you need to have me some grandkids and all those little things that we, it's cute and it's funny. It's not, no, that's not my business. God's plan mm-hmm. is God's plan. And if I can work in it, you're right. God did not intend this, but he is using it and he will use it. And if I can be in that moment and that will, then I'm going to be okay with whatever's there. There's, I love our big family, but I also, my wife's an only child and I love the small family too. There's, it's very, everyone's very present. We sit on it. It's a lot easier Christmas. <laughs> it's very Quite it's cheaper. Um, but they make better food. Yeah. They take, it, they take longer to make the sauce. They They're actually funny. make sauce. You can all stay in one house. Yeah. You have the guy that's renting the place at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah an actual regular house. 19-bedroom yeah. condo. The big, huge condo. And there's, I mean, there's beauty to both. And when I start making plans, I'm taking whatever that plan is out of God's hand. So it's kind of... It's like the old saying, you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. But truly... That's brilliant. I think, and, and God does say to, in Proverbs, and, and to, to plan, and to... We, we, not having plans is the, is different than I got my paycheck. I'm just going to go buy a bunch of T-shirts I don't need and spend it all. And I, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. That's where people have warped it. You're supposed to add. You're supposed to not be in debt. You're supposed to have structural part. But you're talking about your your will. You're like, I want to have this, and I'm going to live here, and I'm going to make this, and I'm going to have grandkids, and uh, you know, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make a record, and it's going to sell two million albums, and I'm going to do this. It's like. I'm going to have this much stuff and I'm going to be, be maybe making not. this much money. And yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. I love the saying, um, the, the way to always get your way, not have a way. Don't have a way. Yeah. And so, and that's a process, which leads us back to what we first started with is ultimately every day. My goal now is I'm trying to actually work on me. 
And most of the time working on me is not looking at me more, but looking at me less. Yeah. Oh, because we're selfies and American Idol and everything's about me, me, me. Everybody's the guy that's like, man, if I just stop for one second and you started it, but I go to people's house now, there's a party and the trash can's full. I don't care if I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm changing the trash can. Yes. I pick up the trash bag. and it, It's become a compulsion I'm not for Gandhi. me. <laughs> you know, I'm not like the greatest guy in the world. I just take the, no, 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 you don't have to do that. That's got, I, I got it. I did we it walk Bobby Brooks' house. His wife's like, no, I, I got the trash. I said, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the trash out. I just zipped it up, got another trash bag. Because it's just, when you, the ultimate way when people feel bad about themselves or they're depressed, go actually start helping somebody that's worse off than you and you'll forget about your thing. You can't think your way into right acting, but you can act your way into right thinking. Uh, I, Move your feet. And my kids, is, if they watch this, are going to mute it when you say that because I said that to them so many times. <laughs> they're like, like we know. We know. Can I we mean, think our way into you walking out of this room right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, Sorry, you can act your way into all, which is funny because, uh, you know, exercise and the, the, my my mental capacity, my, I get depressed without the exercise. You it's like working about, out. I do. You always like working out. I, on the other hand, like it now, but I hated like it, it for a long time. And then I tore my Achilles playing basketball at 49 years old. And I had every excuse. I'm almost 50. I'm not, I'm, I'm, thin and kind of in shape i can just chill out and it was that moment where i took that terrible thing and i had a boot on you know we yeah dude you you're came like, in started working i'm like dude every day you didn't miss a day i didn't miss a day six days on. a week for three years now and it's because and now it's like now i've i've acted my way in the right thinking if i don't work out i'm like Ugh. it doesn't mean that it's every second of that's pleasant it's not it hurts and it's 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 exhausting or whatever name me a hobby that's not a pain Oh. Golf. I, I just. By the way, I'm not a golfer. I don't get it. We I live in Nashville. Far, unless you're great at it, you have a you have a bunch of friends that are a little more like us. I, the guys that I know live out in Franklin. Every oh, a duck hunting. Oh, you got a duck hunt. Oh, you got a duck hunt. I went duck hunting one time with Jason Cruz. Awesome guy, killer friend. Love him. Me and him could talk for five hours about nothing. We have fun anywhere. We could eat eating Cheetos or fasting or nothing. It'd be, it'd get people throwing eggs at us, and I would enjoy it. I have the worst time of my life duck hunting. We First of all, it takes a, an inordinate amount of gear. We're standing out there in the middle of this freezing cold water. And there's like, they're making this noise. And one little bird flies by. I'm like, this is not fun at all. And Vaughn was, I said, Vaughn, are you having fun? He's like, not at all. <laughs> if you weren't having fun, Vaughn was definitely not having fun. He didn't say fun. anything, though. I had to bring it up. I felt bad. And I was like, and everybody the duck hunts, oh, you got a duck hunt with me. It's different. I know there's the one where you make the bacon and eggs and the, is that the duck or turkey? Yeah, you, you, well, we go to a it, blind and we make bacon and eggs. I'm like, well, why don't we just go to Waffle House? <laughs> I don't even eat breakfast anymore. So this, this whole thing sucks for me. Wait, so duck hunting is about being able to make bacon and eggs in the woods. We used to call that camping. We're kind, I mean, Quinn, my middle son, is the spitting image of everything bad about us with that. Anything that doesn't have the purpose of what? We're there's the, there's a few hike? things on my phone that I go to for just, you know, like just little videos. There's yeah. a video of me and you and Jesse Alexander, Red Aikens, Red Aikens playing the Bluebird, where Rhett starts doing Doctor Evil, yeah. Doctor Evil, <laughs> and she's whatever Gold Member or whatever he's doing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I start laughing so hard that I mean, he's like, "Dude, what's wrong with you?" And I have to almost leave the place. Oh, it's Gold Member. That's it right. brings me so much joy to just that nonsense. And the other one is, I taught Quinn how to get on a zero turn mower, and just to watch him, he's got his perfect Nikes on. Quinn doesn't come to my house, not because, I mean, there's there's no other reason other than he doesn't want my dog to step on his shoes. Like, he's been pretty clear about it. My kids don't like dogs. And he, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget, I took Cole and Quinn to a, sorry, to a basketball game, and they had both bought brand new shoes, and they ran in <laughs> like this. We were running to get to the doors, because they didn't want to crease the shoe. But Quinn, uh, Quinn on a zero turn, it's, uh, it's a video that I keep. I have a little file of about <laughs> four, four or five. Four your belts <laughs> out. Just watching them do it. I'm that's the like, payback for We don't know. And Quinn's the, dude, Quinn's a running back that's been undersized his whole career. That dude's tough. Qu Quinn's not, tough. not tough, but to watch him do lawn equipment or dig with a show. Yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yo, no, he's very, he's a manly man. In a oh, football so lane, awesome. in a workout way, very manly. He'll jump yeah, in the pool in January when it's snowing, like every day. The like, dude's daily. Free, he does the, yeah, but he can't but work. He doesn't shovel. like the yard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hammer, shovel, lawnmower. It's like, oh. And I thought, I'm like, dude, you're gonna live in an apartment. Like Quinn with a rake. picture. What is this for? <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> and if he if he held the rake, he'd hold both hands on this. You know, <laughs> he would on the not wrong hold side it. of it.
Sorry, Quinn. He's going to be an NFL scout, so it won't matter. Oh. Um, all right, so uh, I I um I got to ask you the last question that we always end with is um what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? And what's the best thing that came out of it? Worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, um, I mean, there's bad things that happen. I mean, the the worst thing that's happened to me would be the loss of Sage, mm-hmm. um, because of the connection that we have. Yeah. And to see you hurt like that, um, to see my nephews hurt like that, to see my kids hurt like that, it's the first time I've ever gotten empathy. And I think that's the good that's come out of it. I've always been sympathetic, but we were we never were raised <clears throat> in an empathetic home. So the worst thing that's ever happened to me is the loss of Sage. And the best thing that came out of it was I think I have empathy now. I never had it before. Like, I just felt, I mean, we're not twins. Which people say, are you brothers? <laughs> They're asking if we're twins. We're like, no. They go, are you brothers? I'm like, wait, you thought we were twins? But, <laughs> but we're not, yeah. Um, I mean, we both had we're long pretty close. hair. We're, we're was, Irish and twins. And my hair was brown. But I mean, we're pretty close. We're, we're two, not twins. We're Irish twins. We're two years apart. But it's. I was 16. You were 18. Dad wouldn't let me play in the club. And the, we were playing clubs and bar band. I mean, we haven't. Since I turned 18 years old, I have never, and you have never done anything else but music. We didn't bartend on the side. We didn't have a lawn service. Like we figured out a way. And we've to never done music. anything without each other. <clears throat> the last year, me doing this podcast, you teaching a class and writing some songs without me, it's the first time we've done anything without each other. It's funny you you're talking about the seeing your brother do this. It's, we, you and I can fight. We can we can go at it. But if somebody else like tries to join in and join one, we'll both beat that person up. Right. Even back in the day, yeah. <clears throat> the only time we've ever been arrested, we were we were playing at the Wild Horse Saloon and. um this guy that was a stage, by the way, we were, we were probably hellions. We weren't probably hellions. We were hellions, but we were, it was a basic regular night for us. And the stage manager was being, we were paid to entertain drunk people. <laughs> yeah. So we joined them a little bit. And uh, this guy was really being a jerk. The stage manager at the wild horse. And he started shoving. We were, we were shoving. He was yelling, whatever. And at some point the shoving became, he grabbed me around the throat as you were walking up, he grabbed me around the throat and you just didn't even pause. You went, you said all the first when I saw him put his hands around my brother's throat and you knocked that, you knocked that guy out. Like, like, I don't mean you knocked him out cold. Like he went down. I don't so remember. You, I wasn't in the fight. Yeah. If I could go back, I wouldn't do it. It's a pretty good story. It's a good story now. It's if hard I go to back, say that that guy deserved it, but man, he really did. But based I didn't, on my memory. I didn't think, Hey, he deserves it. Hey, he's been a jerk. I heard yelling. I walked around the corner to see what was happening. But I saw somebody, a grown man, a big guy, put his hands around my family's throat. And I just, I don't remember thinking I'm going to hit this guy. I just hit him. Bam. But we, and so we have, there's, we have a connection like, that people don't really understand that you don't have it. We have, uh, when we were both using and drinking, we, one of us would quit and the other one would still be going and it would look so delicious. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just never worked. We literally got sober the same week, like two days apart, both in California and LA. And we, it never would have worked if one of us had done it. We have, uh, and then when we got healthy, we got healthy together. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an amazing, it's been an amazing, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm grateful. It's been an amazing run. It's not always been smooth. It's not always been easy, but huh. I'll tell you this. When I'm, People are amazed that we still work together. That's They like our songs. They like our songwriting. We can play. We're funny. I mean, we joke around still. I mean, I, I want to be the guy that's 80 years old and still rides in the back of the grocery cart to my truck. I just, I'm probably going to be that guy. But they like that side of us. But really, they're, they're intrigued that we've worked together for 30 can years. You do and it's hard. It's not been easy. And the truth is, you can't fake or buy chemistry and you can't make time faster than it is. And and when people compliment my guitar playing, I'm always like, man, when I play with anyone but Brett, it's not as good. Mm. Like we swim and, and that, there's something great. And it's, but it's not just creative. We, we got, we got crazy together. We got unhealthy together. And then we're, I don't say we got healthy together. We're getting healthy because it's a, it's a process. It is just a process and we, we go through it. But um, I'll be honest, man. It, I don't know what this ride is like if we don't do it together, but it's not very appealing to me. I love uh, having a, an ombre uh, on the red eye that's bouncing all over the sky. Our whole to get life is about in the music industry is about, Playing people our best 10 days, telling them the best 10 stories. Tim McGraw called you on the phone. Tim McGraw called <laughs> me and said, I got an idea called If You're Reading This. Oh, and it got nominated for a Grammy. Everything you do is genius. We have had, I mean, <laughs> when we moved to Nashville 
and I'll never forget this. We should tell this story more often. We walk into the train station to play for the train guy. We're going to play for $40 a piece on the train while it goes to the dinner train. Yeah. Dinner train. And he says, I don't take singing. <laughs> so we're on the dinner train. He goes, all right, well, play me some songs. And it's a, it's a thrift store with like souvenir shop. Yeah. Yeah. Gift shop. Like a gift shop. And we're standing there, we take out our guitars. He's like, well, what do you play? We said, well, we play some of the Eagles. It's like 1994. He goes, okay, play me some of the Eagles. We're like, I like the way you sparkling. I'll never forget playing. that we played Peacefully. We played Peaceful, Easy Feeling. All of a sudden, bring the phone rings in the other room. He gets up, walks out to the back room and shuts the door and answers the phone. And we're standing in a souvenir shop. Playing for each other. Playing Peacefully, Easy Feeling to nobody. And you were like... And you were like, that's pissed. it, damn, we ain't doing this. This is stupid. We put it away, which is, you're right. I put my guitar in the case and stomped out. <laughs> like, <laughs> But that is the fact that um, Trying to get $40 we have always, Crackpipe, our old friend Crackpipe, and you know, you're, when you're from Florida and your sound man's name is Crackpipe. Yeah, Greg Marchand. You have some history, but he says. Uh, Cracky. <laughs> somebody's wheezing back there. <laughs> but Crackpipe says. When something's not working for the Warren Brothers, they don't stick with it. And that's the good part about you have somebody to bounce it off of. One can slay a thousand, two can slay ten thousand. Like people are like, you guys are so good. I'm like, man, we worked really hard. There's two of us. We want to get it right. We don't want to be right. And if you can combine all of those things together, you can have a good career. But it's like not it's rare. Many of the days, I would say 90% of the days that we have are days like we're playing Peaceful Easy Feeling in a, in a souvenir shop and nobody's listening. They just, but you've got to be willing to go through those times to get to, if you're reading this, that you wrote with Tim McGraw and gets nominated for a Grammy. We write I like song to tell year. people that they don't want to hear about the 2,784 songs you wrote that nobody cares about. The one is great because I like to tell people... Uh, that what we what were we I said oh yeah we were we were right it's last year we were writing a song and I said do you feel like we're like the band on the Titanic <laughs> write ourselves down as we're all drowning I mean it is I'm grateful for this uh, for the business I'm grateful for our careers I'm grateful for the losses as much as the wins <clears throat> I don't want to be a recording artist I don't I don't and it sounds like it's funny because sometimes I think people oh yeah you're just saying that because it didn't work or you're a hater. You would be uncomfortable if you knew how comfortable I am with where I am in life as far as, right. you know, not you, but I mean, everyone else, yeah. <laughs> people outside. No, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. extremely comfortable with, with where, where we have landed, grateful beyond words, but it's crazy. It's a strange way to make a living. It still is. It always was. It's a really strange way to make a living. It's odd because it is your livelihood it's what we do we still want to make money we're still capitalists we still want to provide for our families but yeah i look back and i think to myself man if we moved to town in 2022 2022 it's just going to be a different life so i feel incredibly honored and blessed that we get to do what we do for a living but it is changing and it is different and i think that over the years um and I know we have more songs in us and I know we have more hits yeah. in us and I know they'll, they'll probably come and it's exciting, but I don't get, I don't, I don't try to, I'm not chasing the 10. It is what I do. It is not who I am. When we played, when we go play death row, when we, when we sponsor other people in the program, when we uh, give away to charities, when we play events for uh, those mothers that lost all their children, yeah, faithfully, faithfully restored, restored and one gen, um, whatever it is. One gen that feeds hundreds of thousands of people a year i mean and they collect food they just it's it's just that is what makes my flag go up the pole that's who i am and if this what we do and and singing great songs or ridiculous songs you know great ridiculous songs i mean you know what's funny we're we're really i'm and i say this because me and you and i know people say think it's odd coming from us on a podcast but we write we've written some really great songs but i would say 90 percent of the time somebody hires us because they want to hear us play red solo cup and you know what people think well that's isn't that embarrassing i'm like i don't care no, no i think it's funny no it's, genius. it's not it's funny jim I... beavers came in with a genius idea and me and brad and brett beavers and jim beavers jokingly wrote something that was we we were in a good space during that period because we didn't care we were just trying to be whatever hit the room we were going to run with it just wrote about but that. i I don't get, to, I'm not embarrassed that that's the song they call us for. I'm not worried that they think that they know 
some other great song that maybe wasn't a hit. I just, we, I am comfortable being myself. I am, we have, our goal has always been to have longevity and be comfortable in our own skin. And we're getting there. Well, I mean, both of those things happen. I am, I am, we are better at the, at the craft of writing a song and playing and singing, especially you singing, than we've ever been. No, no doubt in my mind, we're better at all this than we've ever been, but it doesn't define me. Yeah. I don't give a crap. I don't care. I have, uh, we go down to talk about getting. Do back. you think that's going to help or hurt or doesn't matter? We'll see. I don't care. It doesn't matter is the answer. You talked earlier about that. The the one downside I'm not drinking is, is letting the hamster get off the treadmill, right? Um, I can get the hamster off the treadmill. It just takes a lot. Mm-hmm. I get to Florida. I go walk or run or whatever, or I get out on a, paddleboard by myself in the water with salt water and i get the air man i can i can get the, the hamster off the treadmill but it takes a long time uh here i can i can go get on a hike and get in the woods or something i can get the hamster off the treadmill that's a bigger challenge to me than the, if the business has passed us to a certain extent i'm comfortable with that I know we're good at what we do and we're going to do it, but the result is not my concern now. It doesn't define me. The result Mm. doesn't define me anymore. The amount of number one hits I've written doesn't define me anymore. I don't care. It's easier to say, let me be realistic. We've made some money. We've been blessed. It's easier to say. We can go out and play. It's easier to say when you got a... So I am not not poo-pooing the hustle. We grinded. We hustled. We worked to be here. So God gives you what he gives you when he gives it to you. And... For both of us, I can see that our lives have the, the three S's of a man's career or whatever is the uh, survival, success, success, and significance. We're in the significance phase. What's the uh, the, the title's slipping my mind uh, about the second half? Strength of life. to strength. Strength to strength. And From he talks strength about strength. the guy. That, he doesn't ever say who it is that had tons of accolades in the past. You can't live on them. I remember a long time ago, Casey Beathard said he doesn't put them all up in his house all of his gold records because then he'll start resting on what he did and not be concerned about moving forward. Cause that's the only direction you can go anyway. Yeah. So you're, you're too busy turning around. Like, hey, look at that. You know? Yeah. And I've all my whole life, as soon as we went to LA for the first time, I drove to LA and we stayed with Nick light. Nick light. And he had a couple gold records on his wall. I mean, it clicked in my mind. I, I will gold eat rec- nails. I'm going to have gold records on my, one of my walls. And now they're, you, you they're, got a stack of gold records in your attic, right? All in the attic. <laughs> and you know, Part of me selfishly kind of wants to put them up just because I think it looks cool. And then the other part's like, yeah, just keep moving forward. Keep. Mine are in the garage. They're up, but they're in the garage because my wife won't let them in the house. <laughs> That's why I like working out of here. I can look in the mirror right. and look at my I, This is what I've done. Total, and I can, like hedonism. Yeah. You get a little bit of that. I mean, I'm, it's it's interesting to be comfortable. I don't, I don't want to, I don't ever want to be like be talking to even just in a small group of people and poo-poo the effort that it takes and how much you have to be in. I get that. And I am in that much. And we are good at what we've done and what we do and 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 what we have done is has been quality and we've we've been blessed. I'm very happy with that. But I can tell it doesn't define either of us. My health, my relationship with first of all, my God, my wife, my children, my brother, my sisters, my nieces and nephews, the, everyone else's children and spouses and whatever, uh, my friends. I'm a much better friend than I was. Being a friend takes a little effort. You you, you know, you get on an airplane for a friend. Um, after Sage died, you and I have been on several airplanes to several funerals that we probably wouldn't have been. But we're we're funeral crashers now. We're like we're like uh, Will Ferrell and wedding crashers. Yeah. To back to your last question, you said the good that came out of it. I, I it, it just reminded me one other thing that when this happened with Sage, like people don't you don't really know what to do. I don't know what to say, but you just show up and you know that is that is one of the good things that happened because people go through these this people you know and when that happens to feel comfortable just showing up and being there the lady across the street's daughter passed away and uh didn't know her that well didn't know the daughter at all we just showed up to the funeral and there was like only 10 people there and me and Raquel are sitting in the back and we were just there we were just like we're there she lives across the street from us. She's 78 years old, 80 years old. She just lost her daughter. Just showing, and I didn't feel uncomfortable. I wanted to go there. I didn't have that before. You, I don't know what to say. No one knows what to say. There is nothing to say. The John Dewey said something about someone giving giving him, well, he's got two. One of 
the people that just didn't, one of his good friends, Mr. Good Christian guy, whatever, didn't show up at all for him. And he said, oh, I was giving you your space. And so I was like, I don't want my space. My son died. I don't want my space. Whereas Amy Grant just showed up and sat for mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. an hour on his porch and didn't say a word. She just, her feet were there. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. I wind up talking about Amy Grant all the time here. I don't really, we don't even know her, but she, I, I don't respect- know her well. All I remember is that when, when Barely Famous came out, and by the way, I after seeing, <laughs> uh, I think it's the Jesus music and how yeah, the yeah. Christian industry treated Amy Grant. She's just an amazing she's awesome. person. She's she's one of my favorite people. Yeah. I've since, I sat with her when Al Andrews had his retirement thing. Yeah. I sat next to her. She's just awesome. I don't know her. If she saw me, she probably wouldn't even know I was a Warren brother, but I just love her as a person. But the first time we talked to her, her and Vince got on a shuttle leaving the ACM Awards, and it was when Barely Famous was out. And we were drunk. Probably. We were drunk and obnoxious, and our show was crazy. And she just looked at us, and she goes, I just can't help it. Every time I see you guys, I feel sorry for your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, because I, I wrote about this the other day, journaling, if if you will, whatever. Um, so at the time when we were least healthy, mm-hmm. And least presentable to the world, CMT gave us our own TV show, which is kind of ironic. And I thought about it because they don't make TV shows about healthy people. No. I mean, Ozark is just, you know, this ridiculous accountant. I mean, if you, The Office, a completely ridiculous boss of a company going, you know, self-absorbed jackass. Even the, the really vanilla stuff that we like breaking bad the guys you know school teachers selling meth we don't make shows about healthy people even the ones we think are shows about healthy people shark tank is a bunch of billionaires berating some poor girl that's trying to start a company and they everyone tunes in right tv shows are about people making bad decisions and other people trampling them for it right so i always thought it was ironic that we got this it was we, our idea, though. It was our we idea. Didn't we didn't take it to them. <laughs> I think because we I were self- they gave it to us. They said, yeah, well, for your, the exact reason you start, said. Yeah. So remind me again how Barely Famous happened again. We thought we, I, we okay, well, here's how it really happened. When Jackass came out, which is years before, uh, Brett and physical humor have always been great. Uh, he, There's a great story about, uh, I won't even talk about the shrimp in the butt story. Uh, it's, we have some crazy physical humor. But really, really funny stuff. Uh, and so we, our friends would all call us from high school and say, have you seen this show, Jackass? It's like, it's like you guys. It's just, this is you guys. And so we, right around the time that we started thinking about, man, we should do a TV show like Jackass, Big and Rich came out and they were showing themselves, getting on private jets all the time, whatever. And we Fur were like, codes. Yeah, yeah, just really were successful. And we went, why don't we make fun of the truth, which is that we are on TV and we are opening for Tim McGraw, but we are not rich. But our name's never on the marquee. Yeah, our name's never on the marquee. We are not rich. We are not famous. And we're just next to it. So we came up with the, did we come up with the name too, right? Barely Famous? Yep. Yeah. And um, just making fun. Anytime you don't take yourself too seriously, but sometimes self-deprecation is like a, it's a real sneaky a crutch. form of pride. Oh, yeah. You're kind of like, we we think we're better than you and it hasn't worked for us yet. So we're going to make fun of the fact that we're, we're not successful. Right, but, you know, yeah, it was it was kind of a it was a hilarious show because we made fun of ourselves. But it was a little dark, too. It was a little sad. It was a dark time for us. It would have been a funny show if we, by the way, it would have been funnier if we weren't so. It, the alcohol probably made it a little bit funny, but you put the drugs and alcohol in and it became kind of just, it was, just, it was a dark time for us. Yeah. But the concept was pretty funny. Concepts. It was us making fun of ourselves. And we were like the lowest on a tour, especially. We're the low guy on the totem pole. And then our bass player, who was a 300 pound bass player slash road manager, that did it for us and do drugs. He worked for, so he, we're the lowest guy on the totem pole and he worked for us. So it was really it's about really funny dynamics shitting on Marty, our bass player constantly. And that was really the humor. He was it. kind of the star of the show to be quite honest. He was and a the cult funniest hero. part and the most people liked, where's Marty? You know, he was a cult hero and he um, definitely was. It was funny. Yeah. It was, it's like little things like, well, it is funny to fly on a private jet with Tim McGraw. Wait, you on a private jet with Tim McGraw coming from his, you know, house in LA that they have and you land and this, they pull around his really expensive Mercedes G wagon and he gets in and leaves. And then you and your brother go to the parking lot, getting your Camry and the battery's dead. I mean, that kind of stuff happened. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Was, and people think, well, how does that work? It's like, things our first trip to the Island. We like yeah. landed on a private jet. We come home. It was the most amazing thing we've ever seen before. And we land on this private, just great. And, and Brett's like Camry battery was dead. We had to call AAA. I'm like, boy, this is a dichotomy. Of, it was so funny. A circumstance. Um, 
We've had a funny life, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. No. Everything all working out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, no. And at the end, here's the deal. It's all going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end yet. So this is just a journey. This little blip of years, I believe our life journey matters. I think what we do with it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Put your heart in the right place. Nobody's counting our scruples and how much money mm -hmm. we had and what, you know, our accolades. I've gotten much better about accolades fine. <clears throat> uh, things like that are fine. doesn't matter. We're headed somewhere else for some other reason. And um, what's the saying that we're, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And, uh, you know, I think that just to wrap this up, you know, it's just, you do the next right thing. And you do, and, and, you, and you open your eyes to what God's doing. What's the whole thing is that like, you know, like you, quit acting like you know what just happened. Yeah, I got to stop acting like I know what just happened. Right. So, and that's, that's where we're walking and living. But you doing um, this podcast, just from the people that I know at the YMCA that come up to me, it's a real, it's a really, really cool thing. That thing, speaking at Sage's funeral, having the dad's meeting, like you're not trying to be great, but what you're doing is you're, you're doing it. You're doing a great thing. I'm really proud of you. I appreciate you. Love you, bro. Love you, dude. It's been a good, it's been a good life. It's like we're dying, going out here crawling. Like we're having the, the people box. have the funeral Let's early so they can see everybody cry. Well, I'm just crawling the box. I kind of want an early funeral. Like, <laughs> film it. Tell me what you would say so I can experience Fake it. Fake funeral. We can do that. All right, man. Love you, dude. Love you. Appreciate awesome. you. That was great. Good work. <clears throat> great job. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you in early 2024.